Good morning, everyone, and thank you for tuning in. My name is March Twisdale, and you're listening to Prose, Poetry, and Purpose. I was actually amazed this January to realize that 2018 will be PPMP's fifth year of being on the air. So I want to thank each one of you for listening and for chasing me down on the street or grabbing me in the aisles of Thriftway to ask more questions about this or that author over the years. It has been a ton of fun to do this show. This month, as it is my month, of course, the month of March, and yes, the jokes have already begun to roll in, I've decided to give a prize to one of you on the island. If you swing by the Vashon Bookshop this month and check out my PPMP display near the sunny window by the comfy chair, you know, check out the books of the people who are being interviewed or other things that I put out there, you'll find a pile of bookmarks. Each one has a number on the back. Please feel free to take a bookmark home, only one, please, I'm trusting you on this, and on April 7th at 11 a.m. on my new show that'll be coming on the air on that day, I'll announce the winning number. If you have the winning number, you can bring your winning bookmark back into Vashon Bookshop and they will give you your prize. Okie doke. So thanks everyone for making this show as awesome as it is. And I'd like to welcome you to my interview today with Lenan Polite. Did I pronounce that right? Yes, you got it. That's Yay, it. <laughs> okay. Thank you for joining me today. No, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. And this was like, what, 36 hours we turned this around? I think so. Yeah. 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 yeah we yeah, move yeah. fast. <laughs> yes, of course. Okie doke. As everyone knows, you're listening right now to Voice of Ashon, recorded in the studios of Voice of Ashon, broadcast at 11 a.m. on Saturdays and Sundays on 101.9 FM, KVSH. So you can learn more about the show on voiceofashon.org or visit my website, marchtwisdale.com. Now we're going to dive in, and Lenan, I would love it if you could tell people who you are and give them a sense of where are you coming from today? Sure. Well, my name, like she said, is Lenan Polite, and I've been on the island since the year 2000. Um, I consider myself a director and a producer and also a performance artist, but that's what I do in my creative self. And professionally, I am actually a promoter and a manager of wellness authors and experts who tour internationally. Well, I'm so glad to have met you. <laughs> we need to talk later about some cool people who you think I might want to talk to. Okay. All right, all right. Okay, so um, we, we've we got a lot to talk about today, and we have um, another guest who we'll be introducing midway through the show as well, and that's one of the actors who is in the vagina monologue. I'm wondering if you can talk about Eve Ensler and where things started and just give us a sense of the backstory on this. So Eve Ensler is a playwright who uh, back in the day, she said she started these discussions or was somehow co having conversations about women and really their sexuality or their relationship to their body, which she was kind of putting around their vaginas. And in the midst of all that, she heard all these amazing stories and decided to create a series of monologues that was representative of these women's stories. She performed it as a one-woman show in 1996 is when she first performed it. It then when it became a nationally touring show, usually with three actors. And mm -hmm. I saw it back in about the year 1999 um, in L.A. 
And the show is really, you know, it's a, it's it's interesting because the word the vagina monologues obviously is very provocative. Even when it was out there, there was actually protests. People were putting it up on the honestly on the billboard as the V monologues because if you couldn't say the vagina, you know, vagina in public. Um, mm. But it was it's really a, a series of stories that is about relationship uh, women have with their bodies is mm-hmm. is my views and their bodies, their sensuality, their sexual pleasure, all of which is just fraught with you know, different emotions, different experiences. And it's uh, it's a series of different stories for different ages, different different socioeconomic sort of positioning, um, and just bringing up in, in this very somewhat difficult situation or discussion, but using humor. The reason I was so taken by it when I saw it, I literally couldn't get up from my seat after the, you know, the lights went up and amazed is just the... Um, bodiness, if that's a right word, of what was being said in 1999 that I had never seen and the voices that were being uh, being spoken that I had never heard as a woman and, and things that I had experienced. And, you know, there was there people were saying it and it w- and I had also mm-hmm. read actually I had read the book before that, too. And and just going, oh, there's there's my story up there and giving voice to that. So I think that that's the power of it is in storytelling is is having people hear other people's stories and getting that relationship and connection offers empathy, compassion, feeling that you're being seen and how she does it. There's a, there's one piece that's not funny and it's about a rape mm. piece. Um, but the other pieces it's are, are funny and thoughtful and provocative and curious. And so this it's just a real roller coaster of an experience a theatrical experience um, through these series of vignettes and monologues. There's not all monologues. There's some pieces where three women will be on and they'll be doing this mm. um, different kind of listings. And, and But it's really a conversation of uh, people on the stage experience with the audience. Of course, the fourth wall, as they say, it is broken because it's people are speaking out. So you're you're part of the experience in the as the audience because they're chatting with you. It's not just two people chatting or a, a drama where, you know, you, there's that wall between right, the audience right, and the right. stage. Yeah, I like it when the fourth when the fourth wall is broken and it's broken well, it almost sends a shock effect through you. It's like literally you can feel like it's a glass wall that's suddenly been shattered, Yeah, you know, and it's, it's such a um, incredible experience. I really like it when that it's happens. A, it's a, still a one-way conversation, mm-hmm. but it's not a conversation – but a verbal conversation. It's a one-way verbal conversation, but energetically it's an open conversation mm-hmm. because there's the laughter or the the gasps or the tears that that the actor not only feels but is engaging in, in, in because you're there as opposed to when, you know, there's two actors on stage and they hear that too. Of course they feel that, but it's just different when an actor's actually speaking at you, yeah. which is what happens here. I agree. Do you think um, there's a lot of ways in the world in which hearing a story from another person or multiple other people and realizing that we're not alone can be very powerful. But there are areas of experience that are subdued or ignored intentionally on sort of a social societal level. You know, we live in a patriarchy. Right. And I'm wondering if you felt that in 1999, was it just, well, I'm hearing stories or was it these are stories that are traditionally ignored, um, forbidden, or not touched upon within any of the popular media or storytelling that we grow up in within a patriarchy. Did did it have a feeling of we were going well, for into me, a new place? Yeah, well, for me it was, of course. Um, you know, I was a late bloomer into the feminist movement, I have to say. Um, 
you know, I spent my 30s and that time period catching up from the writings of the women of the 70s. And I'm like, but then, of course, you know, realistically, I was in high school. And mm-hmm. um, and then there was the whole Reaganomics and the whole, you know, greed is good and the business. And I and actually, that was where I was, I was being educated. And so I had a the vagina mollies was part of my own um, realization of like, wow, this is my story or the, and it activated me. So, and that's the power of, of telling stories is people presenting a different idea, but also realizing that they've just given voice to something that you knew and you felt intuitively and in your heart, but you hadn't seen anybody else. Mm-hmm. So it gives you inspiration and courage because you realize you're not alone. And and that was really it did start, spark my own personal um, activism at events. It's been a huge inspiration to me. And that segues into that's what it did for her. The vagina monologues and all those stories. She said after she did the show, she she toured it as a one woman show that she kept hearing more and more stories. And, and the barrage of violence was just overwhelming for her. Right. So she started this nonprofit, vday.org. VDay.org, it's its 20th year anniversary this year. Mm-hmm. And um, so what happened was after I left that production in L.A., I was here in, in on Vashon, and I had this naive idea that I could just call and ask for the rights. I had no idea that, that you know, you don't just ask for rights of a national touring show. However, I got them. And the way that I got them was through this nonprofit of vday.org that um, Eve was offering for just a limited time, which is February. She declared February 14th, Valentine's Day V-Day. And she offered it to local. First, she did it for a year to just colleges. And then the second year, which is the year I happened to be calling, she offered it to independent producers that you could have the rights to this nationally acclaimed show at no cost, as long as you, as long as you used it as a benefit performance for um, organizations that were r- to raise money for organizations that were locally in your community fighting violence against women. Right. It was just one of nobody was doing that. People do that now that nobody was doing that then. She was one of the first people to take and give a tool to a local producer to create an event that would be, you know, successful in raising money. And I did. I raised money. Now, I had never produced. I had never directed. I had never done a lot of things. I just sort of jumped in the deep end and went, oh, my God, I better learn how to swim. And I um, I just started making calls. And I had, um, you know, a couple women in our community, uh, Priscilla Beard and Meg Gerstel were two of them who, and Emma Amiad, who opened their Rolodex. They opened their Rolodex and just really supported me, and I raised the funds to have the production. And I I casted um, 18 women at that time. And, and there was times I was looking at these women going, I don't know what I'm doing, but they just totally, you know, um, stayed with me and had faith in me. And we sold out the theater of 500 seats at that time. Which theater was it? It was in the Vashon movie theater. And oh, that here. was the only same pl- one. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. And okay. Um, we sold the show out in 10 days. Yeah. And I only had rights to one show. So we, I opened up my dress rehearsal and mm, um, I nice. asked it up and I sold another 400 seats. So I had two, so that was the vagina monologues on a Sunday morning at 10 AM at the movie theater <laughs> back then. This was in 2002. Right. So it's 16 years ago. We didn't have the big theaters we have now. So that was the biggest theater I could find. Um, mm-hmm. And I knew I only had one show. So that's Eve Ensler since um, vday.org has, has raised um, 
hundreds of millions. The show has been in over 48 countries. It's been in countries, it's been translated into other other languages. It's it's really been a way that one person as an activist can provide a tool and a fundraising event um, to really fight violence against women. She has so and this basically went out just like a like a cascade, like, you know, ripple upon ripple throughout the world. And it seems that not only do does it raise funds because I'm assuming people of course pay for their ticket, they're interested in going, but then I would imagine every audience that walks out of mm-hmm. a production of the vagina monologues is going to have just been changed yeah. and inspired and so i would imagine many of the people who leave and as they walk out become more active locally become more aware yeah, become more yeah. supportive and this is just just basically a, been a benefit to people all over the planet for how many years now? Well, for this 20 years that V-Day's been around. Since V-Day. So, okay, yeah. so not, not 20 since she did her first show, but no, 20 her, since V-Day. Yeah, V-Day has been 20 years old. She did her show, started wow. in 1996. It's a, you know, this is the kind of theater. I'm getting chills right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of theater that I'm interested in, theater that shifts. This is the kind of art that I'm interested in, and personally, is mm-hmm. that shifts thinking, that that provides us to go away. If If you walk away with one aha moment, I feel like it's been... Um, it's been a, a really amazing ex- experience. I mean, in that's, I mean, not all theater has to be that. Some is just is sheer wonderful beauty and entertainment. But for me, I think when you, you see a piece and you go home and it's provocative and you talk, and that's certainly what happened with the vagina monologues. And I know, um, you know, talk about people stock topping you in thrift way. I had someone yell at mm-hmm. me across, the, <laughs> you know, you're the vagina woman. I go, okay, fine. I'll take that. Right. Um, <laughs> But starting to um, really to to shift thinking. The thing that makes the the show so powerful, I just have to say, both then and I did it in 2002 and 2003, um, is that the actresses all had a personal stake in it. And the actors this year also have a personal stake for the show that we're doing this year in the sense that it's a when I interviewed or auditioned them, I asked all of them, why are you doing this show? And they all have very deep personal Mm -hmm. Uh, connection with the context or with their own trying to find their own voice. Now, the first year I did it, when I talked to everyone and we did a circle, every one of those women of 18 had in some way been affected by violence, either themselves or someone close to them. Um, The so there's but the show can also relate to finding your voice, finding your own sensuality and sexuality, your own relationship to your, you know, your body. So everybody comes to it for another reason. And that's that's what I think is why the show is so powerful is when 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 our local Vashon women do it is because they're really putting the vulnerability up there on stage. Well, yeah, I mean, in in a in a small community like ours where I mean, you well, some people who are new don't quite get it yet but you've been here long enough to know just how interconnected this community becomes Mm -hmm. over time I mean you know like I was just with a friend recently and we were driving down the road and she was looking out the window and she's like you know half the people I see on the street I literally know their name and I've seen them in the last week obviously there's that piece that happens in a really small community it's exciting to know that obviously is very effective in larger communities as well but I do think I mean I'm not going to look up there like if I was in Seattle and I'm not in the theater community, and therefore I look up on a stage, and there's going to be all these actors that I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm That's going to why be looking I really up at people right. who, who I know. You know live there and have a vested interest in our community. And that's why yeah. um, I was really keen on con- you know, continuing that, that this was a locally sourced 
production. All these women are Vashon residents. The actors range in age from 21 to 70, and they've been on the island anywhere from um, three weeks to 70 years. There's a mm. woman that's been here that was born on the island. And so uh, it just it just energetically, it becomes more of a community event in the kind of um, heartfelt community event that I, I really um, like to be involved in. So three things have come up to me. One is um, you mentioned that when Evensler first did this, um, the barrage of stories, you know, the the, mm-hmm. uh, the the overwhelming tsunami of just people who just had to come to her and be like, yes, this happened to me too, and that type of thing. And me too, the movement mm-hmm. that happened last year, I remember when it hit the island and all of a sudden my Facebook was just covered in all these Me Too stories of all of these women that I know. And and I, I haven't experienced, a, I have not experienced much of what these women have experienced. I was just shocked. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think in so many ways the abuse, whether it's violent domestic abuse the way we think of it or whether it's just this endless just endless here, there, when you're in seventh grade. called microaggressions. Grade. Yeah, all the stuff that happens. But, I mean, you know, I mean, I was floored, you know, to mm-hmm. realize how endemic this is, mm-hmm. which raises the next question of, you know, not a question, but a statement that this is an event that is so important for every single parent to consider taking their um, teenage sons to, you know, mm-hmm. or, their, or the men to go and with their sons and to, I, it feels to me like, this is very important for the males in our community to also participate in. Do you get any oh, feedback I, from people around that? Do people have well, any thoughts around that? When that I did it, when I did it uh, back, when I did it my first year, I, I I did two fundraisers ahead of time. One was an all women's fundraiser and showed snippets of the vagina monologues to basically raise money for the productions. After I did that, every woman walked out and said, my husband has to see this. So mm-hmm. I went ahead and did another fundraiser with just men so that they were by, it was just the men. Mm-hmm. So it was at Stray Dog when we had Stray Dog. And afterwards, the men said, oh, this is hilarious. I can come see that. It brought down that, that whatever stigma that it was, I don't know if they mm-hmm. thought it was a chick show, whatever that, I hate that word. But anyways, whatever that is. Um, I think that our society, I think we're a little different now in the sense that I don't think there's that stigma around that. I I mean, men have, our whole culture has somewhat evolved. And so I think that there's not that stigma. And I definitely think that, that men should go see it. I think everybody should see it, of course. Um, but I also invite and I welcome everybody. I think as far as the teens, there's some pretty intense pieces in there. Um, but now with social media and with the internet, I think, which is so different than when we did it 20 years, you know, I did it 16 years ago. I think kids are exposed, and my daughter, who's now 20, was exposed to a, a lot, is, has been exposed to far more than I ever was mm-hmm. at that age. And so I don't think it's going to be anything that's provocative. Um, I think the uncomfortableness, honestly, would be a daughter or a son sitting with their parents watching it. Um, because mm-hmm. there's these things that it's like, it's sort of like going to a movie and having a nude scene when you're with your mom and going, oh, you know, that's uncomfortable. Right. So if it is to happen, I would encourage them to sit separately and right. to sit with their own buddies and to sit with their own and then have their own and allow them to have their own experience independent as us as parents. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter was, if you do the math, she was four when I first did it. She's never seen the show. She's heard me talk about it and she's going to come for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that, I, I, I obviously am going to be busy with the show, so I won't necessarily be sitting with her. But I think that was one thing I thought of when I thought of of people in their teens and 
their teens to, you know, that that would be offer them the space to sort of laugh when they felt like laughing right, and right, not right, be right. uncomfortable when they. Um, the That's thing- actually a brilliant point. I'm glad you brought that up. My my son, a lot of times laughter is used, um, and we know this, it's a basic biological function. It's used to relieve stress and anxiety. Right. It's like dogs that yawn, right? right. And um, my, my son, when he was in seventh grade, was watching a really intense show at the local middle school having to do with, I think, World War II, Auschwitz, things like that. And he's very empathetic, and he was very uncomfortable, and he laughed at, at something because it was it, you know if the, if he was getting caught in a lie he would laugh then too right. so I knew his personality right. and the teacher pulled him out of the room into the hallway and basically criticized him for laughing told him it was inappropriate and right. he shouldn't behave or feel that way or whatever and got all over his case and he got in trouble right. and I was like you. Well, how are you expecting him to emotionally release, release that. Yeah. that? I'm like, you know, he, he can't cry in, in middle school as a male. Yeah. You know, he'll be excoriated by a social class. So, you know, he did what, what he needed to do. And yeah. so you're right. I think that's a great point that if the, if the young people can claim their own experience and be there with their friends to make it their own, that's probably really, yeah. really best. Cer- certainly not. Yeah, I think that a... I mean, I think at my age, I'm sitting out with my mother when I was younger and the most guy, that would have been very tough, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I would have wanted, yeah, I'd give them to let them have their own experience. No, that's a great point. Thank you. Yeah. So I think you had mentioned a bit about storytelling. Um, I think that storytelling has evolved since uh, I think women drove that means of sharing because we are we weren't being reflected back in the 60s, um, having the women's circles and telling our stories. I think that that really uh is a a way to listening to other people's experience. It's it's the best way we can do to walk in their moccasins, as they say. Mm. Uh, but because we can't necessarily experience it, but listening to their stories and then finding the commonalities of the themes of the stories, and that's what I think is really poignant uh, with these monologues, including the monologue that you're going to hear today, mm-hmm. is that there's so many themes in it that it might be a story of a 70 year old woman. Uh, but yet there's so many other points in there that, that we can relate at various ages that people have experienced. But um, And also getting back to the the point of men, what I thought was very funny, I'll just share this funny quote coming out of the show when I did it 16 years ago. We took some clips, film clips of people's experiences, and there was one guy who goes, I'm gay and now I want a vagina. He was so funny. <laughs> it was like, that was the best experience. He goes, I don't know what, I feel like I'm missing something now. And he was hilarious. <laughs> and the thing the thing is, is, you know, this show is intense in the sense, and it's a roller coaster, but the humor again, it's set... The humor when you're laughing mm-hmm. in that it's an it's a difficult it's an it's a it's a skill to come to a, a monologue and to portray it in a way that's poignant and intense, but it opens your heart. And when you open your heart and you're sitting in laughter, you can just receive some really tough things. Mm-hmm. When you're getting hit and pounded in anger and rage, people put you know, just self-preservation, you're gonna put up your walls. And so that's why the court gesture who I love this um, archetype, the court jester, he told the king he had no clothes on. He did it in humor. And it was who, it was how the, you know, hard things were said to people of power. Mm-hmm. And it was, and and they were received because it was done in humor. And he, so he wasn't um, painted in a corner. He wasn't humiliated. It was all laughter, you know, and so things could be, right. be heard in humor. Yeah. And that's why I think this is a really powerful uh, vehicle. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are just now joining us in the show. My name's March Twisdale. I'm the producer and host of Prose, Poetry, and Purpose. And today I'm talking with Lenan Polite. The you are not just the director, you're also one of the producers. I'm the director and I'm the technical director. And then we have two co-producers. One is Tarina O'Rourke uh-huh. and Carolyn Schilling-Gill. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Um, about the Vagina Monologues, which is coming up in like literally a week and a half. So we're looking at March 20th, which is Tuesday at the Vashon Theater. This is that special day when they give space to um, local community events. And that's at 6 p.m., also, the show is going to be performed at 3 p.m. on Saturday the 24th and 1 p.m. on Sunday the 25th. All three performances are at the Vashon Theater in downtown Vashon. So you are listening to Voice of Vashon. Thank you so much for tuning in to 101.9 FM. Now, before we get back to the interview, I want to make sure people know how they can get tickets. Um, one way to get tickets to the show is to go to the theater's website, but also, and we're going to get into this in a minute, is that there is a new nonprofit called www.takeastandproductions.org. We're going to talk about that more in a minute. But if you go to this website, folks, you'll see their mission. And right below it is the image for the vagina monologues and the information. And you can view the press release and you can buy tickets. So that's a great opportunity as well. You can also buy tickets directly at the theater at the box office. On the day of. Uh, no, before. Oh, that's true. That's You know, I do that yeah. when a really good show's coming in and I'm worried. Or I just don't want to stand in line in the winter, mm-hmm. like, you know, with all the people, who, <laughs> right? I'll buy my tickets the day yeah. before. You can buy the tickets at the um, online or at the at the box office itself. Yes. Now, usually um, for folks that are new to the island, they oftentimes only show up um, and are available at the box office after 4 p.m. Okie dokie. Um, let's see. So we're going to go ahead and listen to a portion of one of the monologues. And so I am really happy to be able to introduce and chat with Kate O'Kane. Kate, you are one of the actors who's going to be performing. I am. I'm very excited to be doing this. It's uh, my first production on Vashon. My husband and I got here three months ago. One of the first things I did was give Lynn a call and say, hey, I know I missed the auditions, but can you still fit me in? So I'm how delighted to be here. How did you hear about it? If you had just arrived, how did you hear that it was happening? Um, I think it was on Facebook, uh, auditions, and then, I think, yeah, I think it was mainly that. We were trying to just desperately understand what was going on on the island, and mm-hmm. luckily I saw the, the ad. So yeah, yeah, you know, Facebook really is amazing for helping people connect. Absolutely. So sites like Vashonites and uh, Vashon All and Vashon for All have been Really helpful just getting to know the island and getting to know people. Yeah, yeah. Okie doke. So um, I'm curious. Well, I want to give um, not everyone who's listening today has been in a theatrical production before. So do you want to give them a little sense of sort of how you got this particular monologue and um, how? So, first of all, yeah, how did you get this monologue? So we all auditioned. Um, so Lenan sort of, I don't heard maybe 30 or 40 people speaking. Um, and then cast it. So, you know, she's able to look at everyone she's got there, decide who's going to fit best into which part. Um, the part she gave me is that actually of a 72-year-old woman. So um, I've been spending a lot of time trying to sort of get myself. I'm, I'm only 44, so I'm trying to get myself into the role of a 72-year-old. But luckily, my mother's 72 at the moment. And so I've been mm-hmm. doing a lot of channeling of my very strong northern British mother, 
um, and trying to think about, you know, some of her experiences. I'm also thinking about my grandmother um, and so many of the women that I've known in my life and, you know, how it seems that things have changed a lot. You know, we're definitely in a new age for women now and yet how things haven't changed at all. And it depends um, on where you are on the planet. Depends on where you are on the planet. I've been very fortunate to live in China, in Africa, in D.C., on the East Coast, in the West Coast. Um, and But, you know, one thing is that the experiences of women are so similar around the world in terms of the opportunities we have and the opportunities that are denied us as well. Mm -hmm. So it's bringing all of that into the piece and just even in the rehearsals we've had as a, as a cast together, hearing everybody else speak, seeing these really incredibly strong women talk about really quite painful things, but doing it, as Lenan says, with humor and grace and just all the things I think women bring to life every day. So I think we're going to go ahead and dive in, and then I've got a couple questions for you afterwards. Um, this is a portion of your monologue, so when people come to the show, they'll get to hear what sort of came before and after. Absolutely, yeah. All right, okay, well then the stage is yours. Thank you. So this is a piece called The Flood. Down there? I haven't been down there since 1953. No, had nothing to do with Winston Churchill. No, no, it's a cellar down there. It's very damp. It's clammy. Oh, you don't want to go down there. Trust me, you'd get sick. Suffocating. It's very nauseating. The smell of the clamminess and the mildew and everything. Oh, smells unbearable. Gets in your clothes. No. There were no accident down there. Didn't blow up or catch on fire or anything. It wasn't so dramatic. I mean, well, never mind. No, never mind. I can't talk to you about this. What's a smart girl like you going round talking to old ladies about the down there's for? We didn't do this kind of thing when I was a girl. What? <sighs> okay. Well, there were this boy, David Williams. Oh, we were cute. Well, I thought so. And tall. And I really liked him. He asked me out for a date in his car. I can't tell you this. I can't do this. Talk about down there. You just know it's there. Like the cellar. There's rumbles down there sometimes. You can hear the pipes and things get caught there. Little animals and things and it gets wet. Sometimes people have to come plug up the leaks. Otherwise, the door stays closed. You forget about it. I mean, it's part of the house, but you don't see it or think about it. It has to be there, though, because every house needs a cellar. Otherwise, the bedroom would be in the basement. Oh, David. <laughs> David Williams, right. Well, well, David was very good looking. He was a catch. That's what we called it in my day. We were in his car. It was a new white Triumph Roadster. And I remember thinking that my legs were too long for the seat because they were smushed up against the dashboard. And I was looking at my kneecaps when he just kissed me in this surprisingly take me by control like they do in the movies kind of way. And I got excited, very excited. And while there were a flood down there, I couldn't control it. It was like this force of passion, this river of life just flooded out of me right through me knickers, right onto the car seat of his new white Triumph Roadster. It won't pee. It was smelly. Well, frankly, I didn't really smell anything at all, but he said, 
David said that it smelled like sour milk and it was staining his car seat, and I was a stinky weird girl, he said. I wanted to explain that his kiss had caught me off guard and that I wasn't normally like this. And I tried to wipe the flood up with my dress. It was a new yellow primrose dress and it looked so ugly with the flood on it. David drove me home without saying another word and when I got out and closed his car door, I closed the whole store. I locked it. Never opened for business again. I dated some after that, but the idea of flooding made me too nervous. I never even got close again. Pretty intense. It is, and I think the first couple of times I read it, the intensity of it didn't really hit because you're sort of just thinking about just saying the words, but the more and more I read it and the more and more I think that I realise, and I think as all of the actors in the piece realise, that we're speaking for all women out there. And, you know, I'm kind of like welling up inside just performing it because the shame that comes out in it and the fear, I think, that every young girl feels as she starts to to think about dating and, you know, what does her body look like and what is her body going to do and how all of that happens. You know, yeah, it's it's an emotional piece. So that's, yeah, it, it's... Um... <laughs> It's an, in, I mean, I was expecting this would be very intense for the actors. And, and I'll tell you that I'm, I'm sort of leaving a little bit out of this. I don't want to give everything away on this course. first thing. So yeah. there's a whole piece that comes after this that, um, that is hilarious. And you hear the joy of this 72-year-old woman and you hear her talk about dreams that she's had. Um, and then it takes a turn again and it mm -hmm. takes you into another place. And I think all of the pieces... Um, do that apart from the one that Lynn mentioned about you know the, the tragedy of um war crimes and, and rape during war that's an incredibly hard piece um and the women doing that are you know heroes in my point of view because that that's a tough piece to do um but all of the other pieces talk much more to all of the emotions of women the highs the lows the sort of the successes the the failures and the challenges that we all feel mm -hmm. i appreciate your um your willingness to feel, you know, to put yourself out there. Well, I, I think the last two years, certainly, um, well, maybe since just November 2016, um, we've all been feeling a lot more. We've all, you know, had to put ourselves out there more um, to try and, and talk about the emotions and, and let it out. Otherwise, we'd all go crazy, I think. So um, putting our, our feelings into these pieces, um, I think it is just another way of protesting to a certain extent. It's another way of um, allowing ourselves to feel that we're having some ability to do something in very dangerous and difficult times. Having an effect. We hope so. Um, come and join us and see if we can have an effect on you. I You're mean, right. you know, that's what we really hope is that we're creating a conversation. We're creating a dialogue with people whilst these are monologues. Again, as Lynn said, so much of them is speaking to the audience um, and really hoping that the audience through their their feelings and their emotions will speak back to us as well. Absolutely. All right. Well, I know you uh, have a rehearsal coming up, and so your time is short, but thank you so much for joining me in the studio and sharing some of this with all of the folks that are listening right now. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right. For all of you who are just now tuning in, my name is March Twisdale, producer and host of Prose, Poetry, and Purpose, the show you're listening to right now, talking with Lenan Polite. So, Lenan, it's it. How has it 
been for you on your side of things in the director's chair? I mean, just share a little bit with us about the experience. I mean, this you're inundated repetitively over and over with these things during rehearsals and you're, you're working with actors and I'm, there's got to be a lot going on. What are some of the things that you've experienced that that um, have blown you away or, you know, just right. share a bit about your experience? Maybe. Well, the way that I've been running, these are monologues and so there's, mm-hmm. there's a few um, vignettes that are m- multiple women, but <clears throat> and there's one monologue that I have two women, but most of the monologues are, are single women. Um, and so I've been doing the rehearsals individually. So I have 13 women and I actually have 16 pieces. And so it's a, it's a lot of rehearsals because it's not like the group together and we're going to do everything together. I see all these people individually one and two, three times. Okay. So I'm actually, we've had, but we do have group cast rehearsals of which um, we've, you know, where they all can see. And they, a few weeks ago, they all got to see each other. But mm-hmm. I first worked with each of them in, individually and, and the, when they see each other, that's when the group as a together comes together as a cohesive piece. And it's just really uh, getting the feedback from them. You know, one is they see each other and they see these amazing performances and they go, oh, my gosh, I have to step up my game, which always makes me laugh because they're all great. And the other is just um, really feeling part of the, the whole. But in, as most of the directing is one on one. The thing that I find when I direct, um, I tend to be an intuitive director. I'm not educated and schooled and I haven't gone to college for directing I do this all from my gut and what I think um, but what I think not you know it communicates well but I definitely can see when a piece has been embodied by the individual and so I feel like my job is is listening to what they want to do offer my suggestions when they're stumbling but then also really have them connect to the piece on some of their own personal experience um, or somehow find some way to connect to the piece in a more somatic way or a more embodied way. In a, um, it's not just intellectually. And so through that, I hear stories. Mm-hmm. I hear their personal stories. I can hear their what, what's triggering for them in this piece, what they connect with, what they're, they're celebrating, but also what is difficult for them. And, and so I end up becoming sort of a you know, reflector, therapist-ish kind of person in the sense of just saying, okay, well, this is what I see. And then, of course, I'm the biggest cheerleader they have of saying, I know you can do this um, because I I cast them for that way. And so I, I know it. I also know the cycle. Now that I've done this, I'm a more experienced director than I was when mm-hmm. I first did it. You know, you learn the line, the lines you read, you learn the lines, you kind of embody it. And then all of a sudden you backtrack. You just fall. You think you can't do it. I'm never going to get this. There's this whole self-doubt. And um, they all seem to hit, you know, they at some point hit that either on their own and then tell me that they got through it or they do it with me. Um, and then we get back on and it's just better than ever. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll have some more rehearsals. We still have more rehearsals to do. And then uh, we have a very quick turnaround in the movie theater. We're very limited on time because it is a movie theater, not right. a theater. Uh, we have to set up and tear down all the shows. Um, but we're going to have, uh, so we haven't even been in the theater and we're on, only going to get into it a couple of days before and have like mm-hmm. a couple, a tech rehearsal and then a dress rehearsal. So some of that's going to be, we're winging it at that point, but it's a very simple production. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I'm not doing any state big staging. There's chairs, there's mics. Um, so it's, it's pretty simple. The, the power is in its simplicity and right. in the monologue. So we don't need a lot of. We don't need a lot of props and happenstance. And the theater has changed its uh, configuration since I did it last time. So we've had to make some other adjustments production-wise. 
not least of which it never did and it doesn't have a green room so you have right. a trailer out back <laughs> to be and hope that it's not snowing um and so there's some logistical creativity that we do but everybody's just you know on board mm-hmm. so and it's really great uh, to support eileen and the vashon theater like in every possible way we can. Yeah. I am so appreciative of the Vashon Theater and everything that they do to make it such a wonder. It really, right? A great runner, a it's great just venue. like, yeah. I. what can I say? You know, I live on Vashon and about once a day, I'm just like tickled pink. I'm like, oh my gosh, I live here. <laughs> this place is so amazing, like on a daily basis. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much an appreciative, focused person. You know, maybe some people yeah. are a little grumpy, but I, I yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okie dokie. So one of the things that I wanted to do was um, hear more. Uh, I'm a little, usually when something is produced on the island, either it's a traveling show that comes to the island, which is really rare, but that happens a bit, or it's um, being put on by like, you know, Drama Doc or um, there's another specific group we've heard of before. Um, Tell us about how this come about. Yeah. yeah. What's really great. What's really great about Vashon and it's, and it's, I, I attribute it to my ability to have been, you know, birthed into my creativity as a producer director is that really anybody wants to do anything. You kind of can just do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And the community, you get a few people behind you and the community will get behind you. And it's, it's, we're, we're very loyal to our people. So what happened for this particular is that actually, uh, I got a phone call from a woman uh, named Tarina O'Rourke. And um, I actually got approached first by a neighbor of mine who said, do you know this woman, Tarina O'Rourke? And I know, no, she, well, she's only been on the island a few months, but she has the rights to the vagina monologues. And I was like, she has the rights to the vagina monologues. I hadn't heard that for 16 years. Mm-hmm. And with my friend, I actually then sat and did the math that it was 16 years. Right. And that my next door neighbor who just gave birth to her first child and who's 28 had not seen the vagina mollocks because she was only 12 at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and then not only least of which is my daughter who's 20. So all of a sudden I did the math and I was like, wow, you know, and the it's been 16 years and there's a whole wave of young women who had not seen it, but mm-hmm. they'd sort of heard about it. Right. Um, so I ended up connecting with Tarina and she had moved here and had these rights and she had heard about me because she was doing what I did 20, 16 years ago. She was just talking to people like just saying, I want to do this. What do I do? You know, and was networking and she heard you need to talk to Lynn and she was looking for a director. So I said, sure. Yeah. I mean, it was like, wow. I mean, I just felt like it was, uh, something that I loved. I put together the math. I just, I too was a little distraught little was an understatement with our election and knew that I needed to uh, remount some way that I do my activism, which is through theater. And so I, I really felt like it was a gift. I felt like I, you know, it was like, here, here's your thing. I was like, oh, okay, here it is. Tarina has um, had connected with uh, Carolyn Schilling-Gill, who's been on the island, uh, I think around four years, if mm-hmm. I got that right, mm-hmm. who's been involved in other and so they, we, we sat down and we talked about what our passions were and what we wanted to do. And, and we, um, part of the stipulation for the rights is the money needs to go to a nonprofit. Right. Um, and in the midst of us talking and figuring out where we wanted to handle this and what we realized we wanted to start, we had a vi- similar vision. So we started our own nonprofit. Mm-hmm. It's called Take a Stand Productions. And we have a mission to provide artistic experiences that entertain, educate, empower, and inspire change. 
all of which um, is very um, important to me. We uh, have different ideas of how we want to do that, all very creative and, and not necessarily theatrical, but might be film or might be workshops, might be education. Um, we all have different um, views of how, you know, what we want to do that, but we, we did have a collective theme. And so really, literally, I've met um, both of these women in the fall and in about three months, we pulled this together. We all have skills that are complementary to each other um, as far as what we bring to the table. And then we are mounting this as our first production and have other productions um, planned, uh, including um, my one-woman show that I did nine years ago that I'd like to remount. So this is so that so that's how it happens, and that's the right. that's the beauty of a smaller community and a community where um, you can get an artistic community too. Mm-hmm. What's been really beautiful for me is people have come out of the woodwork from 16 years ago. Um, people who saw it, who've come up to me and said, I saw it and I'm seeing it again, mm-hmm. or I saw it and I'm bringing my friend, or I saw it and I'm bringing my daughter, or such as yourself. I always heard about it, but it was sort of in that background. I never quite got there, who were wanting to get there. Um, mother, a mother last night said I couldn't go because my kids are younger. Now they're older. I'm going. Mm-hmm. Um I've had crew that worked with me 16 years ago call and say, hey, I was involved. I heard you're doing it again, um, that are saying I'd like to be involved again, which is just I'm just I'm <laughs> overwhelmed with the, the really the generosity of people having remembered that and then willing to come and, and be so gracious and generous with their time and their talent. Which is very um, natural here on this island that we're blessed to live on. And would you imagine doing this 16 years again from now, like for the next generation? Oh, from now? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the thing that, <laughs> that, that Eve did is she had, she's done, she's opened another set couple movements and has, she's has another play that you can do a sec, besides, um, I can't remember the name right now, but she does. When you look on vday.org, there's two plays that they offer. The second thing is she has another movement called, uh, one billion rising. If you recall, a couple years ago there was a dance that was in the streets and also on the Vashon. That was that was through her initiative. Uh, that was spearheaded by a local woman here. So there's lots of ways that uh, within Eve's movements and others, I'm sure that they that you can you can do as well as your own original, which is what I'm doing with my original piece. Eve was framed. A comedy about misogyny is my, oh my. piece. So that Eve was framed is <laughs> awesome title. So <laughs> that that's that's in the fall or maybe um, after the first of the year. But so whether or not I'll be doing it in sixteen years, well, let's you know do the math. I'm fifty nine, so <laughs> we can do the math on that one. But I think that uh, the thing that's in, it just it was just a great opportunity and came at the right time for me. And yeah. for I think um, what I'm hearing from the p- people is. They want to hear, see it too. They want to hear it, um, especially given this Me Too movement. I was just thinking yeah. there's so much awareness that's been inspired by the Me Too movement. Right. I mean, especially locally, but everywhere, everywhere. And I mean, my gosh, it's really interesting just sitting here and watching. If I was 16 and watching this happen, it would just be the way the world was. Mm-hmm. But I'm 45. So I'm watching this happen, and I have that context of the way the world was. And so I can see the change. And sometimes my son, like my 19-year-old in particular, will sort of make statements of this is, you know, certain things are bad in life, and this is the way the world is, and this is like, you know, I'm unhappy about it. And I'll be like, ah, but I, you know, look at some perspective. Look where we were. Look where we're moving to. So it's really interesting. I hit 45 and thought, ah, wow, like – 
being older really, really affects and changes how you look at things. You know, that well, like you said, you have the experience. That, yeah. And that was that's what gives us hope, you know, is that, OK, we've been through this. And yeah, a lot of a lot of tragedy happens. But and not but but and we can get through this. Like I said, I'm really glad we're at the theater. It's it's poetic for me because that's where I did it the first time. Um, and also we were looking for a space that made sense for us um, in a short amount of time. Yeah, the timing just was really great. And I'm getting a lot of good responses about that. It is really nice sometimes when the universe just goes kaplunk. Okay, here, we'll just put these things together and here, look, it's the right timing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's great. Okay. Um, so once again, people can go to takeastandproductions.org to check out what you guys are starting to do. There's so many people on this island who would love to involve their artistic experiences, skills, and joys in a way with others that will entertain, educate, empower, and inspire. So yeah. I imagine We're always people who are hearing about this have yeah. got to be happy about the idea. Well, I think, I, I don't, you know, the thing about I, the island is we're not the only one doing this. There's mm -hmm. lots of great collaborators, and that's what's really fun. You know, I have to say, I always get entertained of going to seeing a new band on the island because it's like the bass player from like another band that I just saw. Right. You know, it's like you know similar characters but different mixtures, and yeah. they come up with different music, and they yeah. they just come. And that's I think what we do with any of our artistic, and certainly with theater. Uh, one of our actors is Bonnie Moss. She's very involved mm -hmm. in drama doc. So we and we have. Um, I do want to mention the women. Yes, yes, yes. Let's no, we want to do, do that. that. So, right. So these are the Islanders. Right. They're all Islanders. They're all women. Devin Atkins, Donna Bradley, Emily Bruce, Antonia Green, Sarah Howard, Linda Nygaard, Alicia Moncrief, Bonnie Moss, Tarina O'Rourke is also in the, she has a monologue. Nice. Kate O'Kane, who you just heard, Samantha Sherman, Chai St. Marie and Jennifer Sutherland Potter. Chai's in it. I didn't know. See? Everybody, I mean, I know Bonnie was in it, but yeah. So it's so fun to name because I, I again, I'll be walking and someone come up. My friend, my, my friend Samantha's in it. I'm like, oh, I didn't know you were friends with Samantha. <laughs> and so, like I said, it's like about 21 to 70. Donna mm -hmm. Bradley was born on this island and she's, um, she's also in it. A lot of, some of these women have never been on the stage. Um, some of them were on the stage and haven't been for a while, and this is one of their means to reconnect to their voice on stage. Uh, some of the women have not done theatrical, but they're musicians, mm -hmm. so they've been on stage. I'm sure you've recognized Jennifer Sutherland Potter and right. Sarah Howard, and Chai's also a musician. So these are women, and this is so this is really challenging them in a different way. You know, they're all doing amazingly well. Um, and then you've got Devin. Atkins, we have a story. I actually directed her son, a uh, youth theater project, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so she's never been on stage. And um, her son is now an attorney in New York, which is just hilarious because it's just like that's what happens when you're on this island for so long. It becomes full circle. It's like right. now I'm directing the mother. It, normally, it's you direct one person, then you direct their son. But I'm doing it the other way yeah, around. Right, 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 yeah. Right, so course, it's, of course. it's really fun. Um, yeah. And then Bonnie Moss, who was in mm -hmm. the other productions, and her mother was a founder of co-housing and I live in co-housing so I know her mother and so it's just really really fun to connect with these different women in a new way some of who I know and some of who I, I never knew the monologue that you heard um, the thing that's so powerful about these monologues but here's an here's a story of a woman who had one incident and it sent her off into this trajectory 
Mm-hmm. And this particular one sent her off into a trajectory. She had no place for that. She had no place to voice that. She had no resources. She couldn't get on the internet and go, why am I having a flood? Mm-hmm. What is that? You know, all she had was the reaction of a, you know, in the 50s of a of a young man who was more concerned about his car. And you see from that moment, that life-defining moment, that she had a trajectory of disconnect, She caught, you know, from her body. And, and so it's like, that's why I feel like, you know, having these sort of experiences is, I don't know how it'll affect these women. And, but, but yeah, you, you can't go through this without it being affected or me as well, you know, and it sends you into a different trajectory. Um, Mine was sitting in that dark theater in Los Angeles, seeing the vagina monologues of the three women, one of whom was Brooke Shields, believe it or not. And it was in LA and she did this piece and I, I laughed so hard. I, you know, when you laugh so hard, your cheeks get mm-hmm. cheeks get sore and you're crying. Yeah. And this was Brooke Shields at that time was already in her 30s and early, you know, 30s. And um, it wasn't like she was the young 13 year old. And she it was a life defining moment for me. It was a moment that activated me into um, my activism and my realization and reconnecting me to my um, body and all the things that were supposed to not happen. And it, your your brain starts going, wait a minute, I have to rethink all these things I thought about. And that's that's the kind of life-changing aha moment or life-defining moment. So yeah, I do, um, you know, I, I don't know what it is necessarily for these women. Um, I'm not taking responsibility for that I, because I, I just am privilege to be involved in a project that does that for me and also for all the women that are involved Mm -hmm. is having that. um, And I hope the audience has the same experience. Absolutely. How many seats do they have at the Vashon Theater? They're up to 350. We're going to lose some seats in the front. I don't know if it's funny because you relook at the theater once you get there as a producer, but there's some seats very close to the stage that Mm -hmm. are off to the, well, when you're looking at the stage, it's off to the left. That's called stage right. That, that'll, that you can't even see that we won't be able, we don't, I don't want to sell them because they're too close, but right, right, right. but there's about three fifty. Um, that theater is great. The, the The sound's going to be great. I have um, John Sparks doing the st- sound. He's done. Uh, he did sound in there before, and we have a great sound system. It has good acoustics. Um, it's a it's a narrower and deeper. There's not a bad. You know, it's got elevated. There's mm-hmm. not a bad. Some bad. You know, bad seat in the place, and so it's gonna it's gonna be a good. It'll be a nice. It's a kind of theater that because of the sizing the way it is, it's going to be feel intimate, even though it holds that many people. I think intimacy of that sort on a, for a venue or event of this kind is is really valuable. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting experience or for any actor to be on stage and you've just got lights at you and you're relating to a group of people that are kind of in this blackness. Yeah, um, yeah. But they're going to, I think they're all going to do great. Uh, I'm looking forward to... Uh, seen how they get up there. I really appreciate that you chose to spend so much of your personal time and your friends and also what co-founders of. I co-founders Tarina, Tarina Rourke and, and Carolyn Schillingill. Right, yeah. right, right. So folks, um, remember the shows are going to be, Mar- don't let them pass you by March 20th. That's Tuesday at 6 p.m., March 24th and 25th. That's Saturday and Sunday, 3 p.m. on Saturday, 1 p.m. on Sunday. Tickets can be bought in advance at the box office, swing by sometime after 4 usually. You can go on the website as well, or you can go ahead and check out takeastandproductions.com. Org. All right. Thank you so much, Lynn Ann, for you. joining me today. Thank you. And that is our show.
My name is March Twisdale, and you've been listening to my interview with Lynn-Ann Polite. Thank you for listening to Prose, Poetry, and Purpose, where my guests share how they hope to inspire positive change in the world, one reader, one listener, and one audience member at a time. I'd also like to remind you that this month of March of 2018 is a special month. It's our fifth year producing Prose, Poetry, and Purpose. If you swing by the Vashon Bookshop, you can check out the Prose, Poetry, and Purpose display, which is right next to their sunny windows by a big comfy couch. As a thank you to all of the people who have supported me over the past four years, please feel free to pick up one of the bookmarks that I have set there in the display. On the back of your bookmark will be a number. And on April 7th, which is a Saturday, I will go ahead and announce which bookmark is the winning number. And the person who has that bookmark can go back over to the Vashon Bookshop and go ahead and pick up a special gift. Thank you everyone for listening. Have a great 2018 and a wonderful day. We teach girls to shrink themselves, to make themselves smaller. We say to girls, you can have ambition, but not too much. You should aim to be successful, but not too successful. Otherwise, you will threaten the man. Because I am female, I am expected to aspire to marriage. I am expected to make my life choices, always keeping in mind that marriage is the most important. A marriage can be a source of joy and love and mutual support. But why do we teach girls to aspire to marriage and we don't teach boys the same? We raise girls to see each other as competitors, not for jobs or for accomplishments, which I think can be a good thing, but for the attention of men. We teach girls that they cannot be sexual beings in the way that boys are. Feminist, a person who believes in the social, political, and economic equality of the sexes. sexes. You wake up, post up, round round in it, flossing on it, this diamond, my diamond, this rock, my rock. I woke up like this, I woke up like this, we flawless. Ladies, tell them, I woke up like this. Flossing on that, this diamond, my diamond.